Welcome. You're listening to the podcast of First Church in Woodland, California, Pastor Timothy Wisnett. We're so glad you could join us. And we pray that this message you're listening to today is a blessing to your day. And I want to invite you also to visit us online at firstchurch.app to get connected with us and learn about our service and upcoming events. And uh, we hope that we can connect with you and see you soon. If you have your Bibles, then we'll go with me to Proverbs chapter 15. And while you're turning there, amen, let me say, it just, just being in the presence of the Lord and this freedom and this liberty, I want it to continue on through here because I believe that the best is still yet to come today. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, while we were singing, and you could feel such liberty after uh, we prayed for Israel, how many would join with me in taking time every day? to pray for the nation of Israel. Would you do that? Amen. And as we were praying, just feeling such a liberty and rejoicing, and I was thinking uh, this morning about how that it has been since 1973, 50 years since Israel has been in a declared war. And then you start thinking of what the number 50 represents in the Bible. And 50 means jubilee. Amen. And so I'm, I'm taking that, amen, to say that, that for all that hell has tried to release on the church of Jesus Christ, for all the attacks he's been launching on us over the last uh, few months and the last year or two, I've just got to say that I'm believing we are entering into a year of jubilee, a year of release, a year of, amen, of outpouring. Amen, because the seen world is often uh, and always rather a reflection of the spirit world. So 50 has significance, amen, and I'm not a numerologist and I don't do, you know, the, the number thing, but there are some things that have significance, amen. And so 50 years since Israel has been in a declared war, and I believe God has already given Israel the victory over this battle that they're in right now. It may get worse before it gets better. But I'm saying to spiritual Israel, amen. I, I felt it so strong this morning as we were singing and rejoicing. I believe we're stepping into our jubilee where the captive are set free. And everything that the enemy has stolen, according to the word of God, must be returned back seven times in Jesus' name. So if you feel the enemy's robbed you of something, you just get ready. My seven-time restoration is coming back in Jesus' name, amen not running from this fight i'm getting in it in jesus name amen proverbs 15 and beginning at verse number one amen a soft answer turneth away wrath but grievous words stir up anger how many has ever known that to be true you ought to check out this book of proverbs there's a lot of good stuff in it amen a soft answer turneth away wrath but grievous words stir up anger the tongue of the wise useth knowledge aright, but the mouths, the mouth of fools poureth out foolishness. So wise people don't talk foolish, and foolish people don't talk wise. Amen. Then he says in verse 3, the eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. Read that with me. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, 
beholding the evil and the good. Amen. Now, I, I want to preach something to you this morning, and I believe that no matter where you are at in your walk with God, I believe with all of my heart, God's got something to speak to everybody in this place that you can leave here victorious and unshackled by the power of the Holy Ghost before you leave here today, man. I believe you can walk out of here with a fresh revelation of the power of Almighty God, amen. And so he says again, the eyes of the Lord are where? In every place, beholding the evil and the good. And I simply want to preach to you for a little while this morning what God's eyes cannot see. What God's eyes cannot see. Let's pray together right now. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for the victory in your presence that we feel right now. Lord, I pray that you would break forth in every life that is in this place today. And no matter where they are at in their walk with you, no matter what level they've progressed to or maybe even have regressed to, Lord, I pray that you would speak with power and wisdom and authority. Lord, we pray that every chain would be broken, that every fetter would fall in the name of Jesus. We pray that sickness would be healed. We pray right now that there would be a breakthrough on every hand. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everyone said, Amen. And if you believe God's going to give you a breakthrough this morning why don't you give him thanks and praise and glory come on he's able more than able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think hallelujah hallelujah praise God praise God praise God amen amen look at somebody and tell them what the eyes of God cannot see amen and you can be seated on his own planet, he was just a normal, ordinary child like anybody else. But when sent to Earth on a rocket ship, he soon discovered that his ordinary abilities on that planet, while in the inferior environment of planet Earth, were superhuman. As a matter of fact, the writer said that he was more powerful than a locomotive, faster than a speeding bullet, able to leap tall buildings in a single bound. It's a bird. No, it's a, it's Superman, the defender of the weak. With all of his great skills and superhuman non-earth powers, one of the most referred to and often uh, theorized was his x-ray vision that he had powers to look past walls and into secret places, and nothing was hidden from his eyes. I can remember as a child growing up on the old Superman videos, and I mean the ones from the 40s and the 50s. We had them on VHS cassette tape, and you kids don't have any idea what it is to have to rewind something. Amen. And I remember I, 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 as, as a child loving Superman, amen, and, and his ability to fight evil. And uh, we see that, that he could leap buildings and he could fly, but it was his ability to see through things, amen. And it makes good for a comic book and for 
cartoons, and I hate to break it to anybody here, Superman is not real. Amen. Because no one has x-ray vision, right? Nobody does. Well, except Solomon tells us that there is someone that does have x-ray vision. And the Bible said the eyes of the Lord are in every place beholding evil and good. And there is nothing that is hidden from the eyes of the Lord. Amen. His eyes are in every place. Nothing was hidden from him. Amen. Uh, preceding the flood or after the flood. But Genesis 6 and 5 says, And God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually and so God saw all of that when Israel was in bondage God said I see their oppression and what Egypt is doing to the children of promise he said it does not escape my sight I can see what is being done to them David declared in 2nd Samuel 22 that if if you have a haughty spirit amen if you have pride that God sees it and that God will ultimately bring down the proud and the haughty because he sees everything. Uh, Hanani, the prophet, warned the unrighteous king Asa, amen, and he said that the eyes of the Lord run to and fro in the whole earth and that God sees everything. Look at somebody and tell them God sees everything. Amen. David says in Psalms 139, he says, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Thine eyes did see my substance. Everything about me from the outside in. Amen. My outward countenance, my inner organs, the condition of my soul, even the thoughts that are going through my head right now. The Bible says God sees all of them. And Jeremiah said that God's eyes were open upon all the ways of the son of man that God sees us from the inside out and from the outside in God has always known you God has always had his eye upon you and so I want to say it again God sees you nothing you do nothing you say nowhere that you go nothing that you think nothing that you are is hidden from the eyes of God because God sees everything big and small good and bad God sees everything amen I know that it is uh, causes us to recall just a little bit knowing that there are thoughts we have thought and there are deeds that we have done that we hope God wasn't looking at but the Bible says he sees all of them and here's some good news he sees it all and he still loves anyway Amen. Stephen Curtis Chapman wrote a song entitled His Eyes and, and, and a line from that song says, his eyes are always upon you. His eyes never close in sleep and no matter where you go, you will always be in his eyes. Another old song says it like this, his eyes are on the sparrow and I know that he watches me. His eye is even on the sparrow so I know that he watches me. Scripture 
said that he watches me so much, amen, that he has numbered even on my head the number of hairs there are upon my head. That lets me know that God is looking at me. I want you to know that his eyes see every aspect of our life. Sarah's handmaiden Hagar was cast out and rejected and hurt deeply. We are living today the battle that you are seeing the war in the Middle East is a result of Ishmael and Hagar. We're still fighting that today. Israel is fighting that today. She was left to die in the desert. It appeared that no one knew her sorrow, but God saw it and brought a well of water in the middle of the desert. And she named that well Bir Lahoriai, which in Hebrew simply means God has seen me. I want you to know something this morning. If you are in the wilderness of hurt, if you feel like you're in isolation and desolation and you are cut off from God, I still want you to know that God sees you right where you are because God has eyes that can see through it all. You may be in pain, but I want you to know his eyes are upon you. You may feel lonely and forsaken, but the eyes of God are still upon you. You may feel like you've been abandoned and all by yourself, but I've come to preach to somebody this morning that the eyes of God are looking at you. You may feel like you're cut off from everybody. You may feel like you're in this fight by yourself, but I've come to preach to you that the eyes of God are upon you, and if he sees the sparrow that falls, you can believe that he is watching you. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. I said his eyes are watching you. Uh, amen. His eyes are not only upon you when you feel lonely, but his eyes see your pain and his eyes see your sorrow. Psalms 34 and 15 says, the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and his ears are open to their cry. It was not compassion, amen, alone that moved God, but it was the heart of God that caused him to hear your cry. Luke 17 tells us about a funeral that happened. A man and Jesus stopped the funeral for the deceased in the little village of Nain. In Luke 17 and 12 through 13 it says, now when he came nigh to the gate of the city, behold, there was a dead man carried out. Only the, uh, the, the only son of his mother and she was a widow. And much of the people of the city was with her. Verse 13 says, and when the Lord saw her and said, he had compassion on her and said unto her, weep not. Because when he saw her in her grief and he saw her in her pain and in her suffering, the heart of Christ was moved and he turned a funeral procession into a resurrection celebration. I want you to know this morning that the eyes of God are upon you and if you're hurting and you're in pain and you're in misery I want you to know that he sees you this morning you're not going to hide it behind the veil of laughter you're not going to hide it behind the mask of pretense God sees how bad you hurt and God knows how much pain that you're in and it gives great consolation to me this morning to know that no matter what I'm in no matter what I'm going through there is a God that sees right where I am. There's a God that knows right what I'm going through and he is moved with compassion. 
Hallelujah. I want to say that it was not compassion for the deceased that stopped the funeral. Amen. It was the compassion Jesus had on the grieving heart of a mother when her son had died. I want you to know your problem is not what moves God. It is your heart that moves God. It is not your situation alone that's moving God, but it is the condition of a broken heart and a contrite spirit. Listen to me your suffering does not escape the attention of the crucified king of glory your suffering does not escape the eye of God you need to be thankful this morning that we serve a God that sees past all of that and I want you to know that he sees it all today look at somebody and say he sees it all he sees your hurtful past he sees your painful present he sees your current suffering. He sees your sins which remain exposed and unforgiven. He sees our very thought and nothing is hidden from God. But there is one thing that his eyes can never see. You see, his eyes could see the rebellion and the heart of Lucifer, but they couldn't see, can't see this. He could see the sin of Adam and Eve, but he can't see this. He could see the wickedness of men before the flood, but he can't see this. He could see the diabolical ambitions of the men at Babel, but he can't see this. He could see the sin, the adultery, and the murder that David committed, but he can't see this thing. He could see Nathaniel while he was sitting under the fig tree, but he can't see this. He could see the precise moment that Simon Peter would deny him but he can't see this. You see the one thing that God cannot see is the sins that have been put under the blood of Jesus Christ because of Calvary. Oh I feel joy in this house. I don't know what you're waiting to rejoice on, but I'm going to rejoice that my name has been written in the Lamb's book of life. He may see everything in this universe, but the one thing God's eyes cannot see are the sins that have been put under the crimson flow. I'm glad for the blood of Jesus. I'm glad for baptism in Jesus' name that washes me in the blood. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I feel like rejoicing right now. I, I feel like shouting on a Sunday morning. Amen. I preached on heaven last week and now I'm preaching that about our sins being under the blood and I'm sorry if this is too simple and you want something a little more, a, a, a little more uh, difficult to understand or a little more theologically mind-blowing. Amen. But nothing blows my mind more than the fact that the king of glory robed himself in flesh and spilled his innocent precious blood on Calvary and he took my sins and nailed them to his cross and I know you may be thinking but pastor I've been baptized why are you preaching this to me because we need to be reminded that the past we put under the blood is just that it's under the blood and we've got reason to rejoice and we've got reason to have victory David wrote, 
David wrote with prophetic utterance in the 103rd Psalm. In the 12th verse, he says this. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. I want you to think about what David just said. As far as the east is from the west, so God has removed our transgressions from us. Amen. How many in this place can say, I have transgressed God at some point in my life? Amen. If you can't, come see me. I need to know how you did that. Because you and Jesus are the only two that never have. Amen. We've all transgressed the Lord. Amen. If I start here in North America and I begin to go north, eventually I'm going to get to the top of the globe. Amen. Suppose that you believe in a globe. I know it's a funny thing. It's a sad thing, but a lot of people are going back to believing in a, in a flat earth. It's shocking. I thought it was a joke, but it's real. They really believe it, Amen. just like people believe there's more than male and female, amen. Uh, but if I start north, if I start north, and I leave here Woodland and I begin to go north, eventually I'm going to reach the top of the globe, and I'm going to come to what? The North Pole, amen. And if I continue in that same direction north, amen, eventually... I'm going to start going south because eventually north will meet south and north will become south and if I continue to travel south, I will reach the south pole but the moment I step past the south pole, I begin going north. And my wife thinks I'm crazy because I added something in my bucket list. I'll probably never do it. But I found out they now got cruises that go to the South Pole. You can go to Antarctica. I think it's the coolest thing in the world. And really, I think it's amazing. You, you can leave the tip of, of South America and you take a three to five day trip across the Drake uh, passageway, and, and I'm have always been fascinated by that. And it's one of the shallowest parts of the ocean, and it's turbulent. They call it the Drake Shake uh, because it, there's a very good chance that passing through the Drake Passage, because the the ocean is shallower there, the waves become very violent. You may have seen videos on social media of waves washing up over the windows of these cruise ships. Now they're not like you know they're not like uh, um, what is it, carnival and stuff like that. Nothing like that. A lot smaller. And uh, so you you might be in for three to five days of the most violent shaking that you've ever experienced in your life until you get uh, to the South Pole. You get to the, the country, or rather the, um, the continent of Antarctica. And when you get there, it is an exploration. It is not a destination. And the reason they call it a exploration is because you are not guaranteed that you will even get off the boat, depending upon weather. You can do all of that and get there, and the weather be so bad that you can't even come out of the cruise ship. But if the weather is good, you can step out, and you can see the penguins, and you can get in the little rubber uh, dinghy boats, and you can go around. You can even get onto 
the continent of South Africa and you can walk around South um, uh, Antarctica rather and you can walk around they have trails and all this stuff you can I think that would be a really cool thing to do I think it would be amazing but even if you are at the most southern tip of this globe suppose that you believe in one when you take one step past the most southern point of the earth, you begin going north. And guess what? If you hike north and you get all the way back to the top of the globe, supposing you believe in one, when you get to the North Pole and you take one step past the North Pole, you are now traveling South, because south will eventually meet north, and north will eventually meet south. But if I start in Woodland today, and I begin to march and begin to go east, and I keep traveling east, can you tell me at what point that I will stop traveling east and I will begin to travel west? Never, because you cannot travel so far east that you are traveling west, and you can never travel so far west that you will begin to travel east. So the psalmist said, God will remove our sin from us, not as far as the north is from the south, but as far as the east is from the west. In other words, God's going to remove them to infinity. God's going to remove them beyond being recoverable. I'm so glad that God's eyes can't see my sin once I was covered in the blood. Amen. Amen. Isaiah chapter 43 and verse 25. Now I know what some of you are thinking, Pastor, I've been baptized. I don't, maybe you need to say this for when we got a church house full of people that need to be baptized. Well, if this doesn't stir you, and besides, how do we know who's not going to listen to this on the podcast or who might not be watching live right now? Amen. I don't see the comment section. Pull it up. Somebody might be on the video right now saying, my goodness, I didn't know this. I need to be baptized. And my brother my sister, you may be watching from Canada, you may be watching from Florida, you may be watching from Sacramento, you may be watching from Africa or Asia but no matter where you're at watching it, you may even be in this room right now, amen, the eyes of God will see everything except the sin that has been put under the blood of Jesus and if you have never been baptized in his name honey, right now is a great time to get baptized in in his name, no matter what continent you're on, no matter what country you're in, no matter what language you speak, the God that I serve is able to remove your sin as far as the east is from the west. And no matter where you are on this planet watching me right now, we can connect you with somebody that will give you a Bible study and baptize you in the glorious name of Jesus. And if we can't find them, We'll get on a plane and we'll come baptize you ourselves because your sin must be washed away. Amen. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. I'm glad my sins are under the blood. Amen. I'm glad my sins are under the blood. And no matter what you are going through this morning, you've got reason to rejoice today 
if your sins have been washed in the blood of Jesus, amen. Or as they say back home, washed in the blood of Jesus. I don't, still don't know how they got an R in there, but they do, praise God. You need to get so excited about your sins being under the blood that you start telling other people. I, I, let me say it again. You need to get so excited that he washed away your sins. Amen. That when you get to work tomorrow, you can't wait to tell somebody about how the God who sees everything can no longer see that thing. Look at what God says through Isaiah the prophet in the 43rd chapter and the 25th verse of Isaiah. This is what he says. He says, I, even I, am he that blotteth out thy transgressions for mine own sakes and will not remember thy sins. Boy, I'm telling you, you got a hard time making that two separate persons in the Godhead because Jesus said that his blood would cleanse us and then God says in Isaiah that it was he that would blot out our transgressions for our namesake. You know what that means? That means the God of the Old Testament made himself in flesh and the New Testament died upon Calvary's cross and he washed away my sins. Amen. Now, believe it or not, I'm almost done. Satan in the Bible is called the false accuser of the brethren because he still accuses you of sins that have been put under the blood of Jesus that Jesus has already forgiven and Jesus has already forgotten. Look at somebody and tell them, your sins are forgiven. Come on, tell them, your sins are forgiven and your sins are forgotten. To God, it's as if it had never occurred. This is why Paul would say in Romans 8, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Your sins are not only forgiven, but they are forgotten. And if anything ought to get you excited, it's the fact that my sins are forgiven and my sins are forgotten. And since my sins are under the blood, I'm going to leave them under the blood. Don't allow Satan to torment you one more day. Don't you let Satan accuse you one more time of sins that are underneath the blood of Jesus. Don't allow your memory to walk you down that old sinful path one more time to talk about what God has forgiven there's a difference between testifying about what God's brought you out of and bragging. Amen. I want to testify of God's goodness. I read a story some years ago of a doctor by the name of Dr. Barwick. And he had finally, after years of sickness, this was many years ago, relented to have his leg amputated because of poor circulation. But he had an unusual request. Because this leg gave him so much fits for so long in his life, Dr. Barwick requested, now hold on, this is kind of gross, 
that his amputated leg be put in a jar and preserved so that he could see it and taunt it because it had given him so much pain for so long. He said, when you cut my leg off, put it in a jar. And so they did. He took that amputated leg in this jar in solution and he stuck it upon the mantle in his home. I think Barwick had more problems than just poor circulation. I think the poor circulation was going to his brain. <clears throat> and daily he would pass by that pickled leg. And he would say, you can't hurt me no more. But as does with all amputees, he began to have phantom limb pains. For months, he stared at that amputated leg in that jar to what he thought he had victory over. And yet now he was still suffering pain even though it was no longer there anymore until finally in an act of desperation, Dr. Barwick had that leg removed off the mantle, amen, and then disposed of in a crematory. I'm here to tell somebody this morning, it's time you take your leg off the mantle. It's time you pull it out of you and quit looking at all the stuff you've been through. And it's time to look forward to the goodness and the mercy of Almighty God. I'm preaching to somebody this morning who is being tormented by sin that God has already removed. He removed it, now you remove it. He took it away, now you let it go. Quit letting the phantom pains affect you. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. I said, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. I'm glad the eyes of God can't see my sin. If you're here this morning and you're feeling that crushing guilt and condemnation over the sins that you've committed, I've come to preach to you, throw it out. Quit holding on to it and examining it. I tell the story sometimes of how at my, at my mother's wake at, before her funeral had so many friends I hadn't seen in many years. Or every once in a while when, I, when I'm back home I may run into somebody I haven't seen in years. Or somebody may from time to time message me from, from the BC life, you know, the before Christ life. And they want to tell me a story of something that they remember. And the, 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 the strangest thing is a lot of times when they're telling me these stories, they're looking at me and going, you remember, right? You, you, you remember, right? And a lot of times I just smile and, and nod my head because I don't want to embarrass them. But quite a bit of the time, I don't remember. I, and, and once they tell me the story, then, then it may jog my memory and, and I may start to remember. But a lot of the times I can't remember anymore and the reason is, is because I decided not to put that leg upon the mantle. 
There's a lot of things I don't remember about my previous life before Jesus because I chose to put it into the crematorium of the past and let the blood of Jesus wash over me Amen. I choose not to celebrate what God brought me out of. You need to choose not to elevate what God brought you out of. You need to walk away from your past and let God give you a brand new future. Oh, somebody shout amen. Amen, I can understand testifying. Amen, but I made up in my mind a long time ago. I'm not about to give glory to the thing that God brought me out of. I'm not gonna give a glory and credence to the things that God said. There's a difference between preaching about it and testifying about it and being consumed with it. Amen, God already forgave it. You need to quit putting it in a jar and setting it on the mantle. You need to move forward, amen. Some people don't let go because so much of their identity is wrapped up in their past. So much of who they are is wrapped up in the sin of what they did. You need to move past that and let God give you a brand new future. You you don't have to be what you were. Don't doom tomorrow by always glorifying what happened. You need to move out and say it's under the blood. I'm not an addict. I'm set free. Amen. I'm not a liar. I'm set free. I'm not bound, I'm set free. It's the blood of Jesus. Somebody say the blood of Jesus. You see, that's what God's eyes can't see. It's what you have put under the blood because you've been washed. You want to use an illustration? I haven't talked about a lot, but as I was preparing for this message, amen, God reminded me of the story and I really debated whether to tell it or not. As a matter of fact, Brother Roberto won't even have it in his copy of my notes because I decided last minute this morning to put this story in there. I always want to be careful that I not, you know, uh, looking for the right word here, that I don't hype things that God has power over you know some people make a ministry out of the you know these fringe spooky things and you know beware about people always doing spooky stuff you know you know there's a reason why they chase the spooky it's because they don't got any foundation in, in, in the reality of God's truth and, and so I want to be careful but I really felt impressed this morning to tell this story in my backslidden condition, as a young man, we were at a fair in my hometown in Texarkana, the four states in, the fairgrounds. And I lost a bet. And as a, a result of me losing the bet, we had came up with, if we lost, I don't remember what it was over, that there was a palm reader and if we lost the bet, you had to go see the palm reader. I, I still don't even know why we came up with that. don't even know what I lost. It was probably something stupid. It, it probably was. Probably something dumb. And not, not to be one uh, to not fulfill the dare, because it was more, really more of a dare than anything. And I was away from God. 
So on this dare, I walked into a tent that had, you know, the picture of the gypsy woman and the crystal ball. And I walked in there and immediately felt a cold, dark sensation as I walked in to that tent. Now, the reason why her name came up or this thing came up as the dare is because so many people had come out talking about how accurate this, this woman was and how she knew things about people. And so I walked in. I felt that cold, dark sensation. And I walked into there and I sat down. She, I believe she asked for my birth date, which shocked me because, I mean, aren't you supposed to know all that, right? But I can remember how uneasy I felt sitting in the presence of this witch because that's what that is. It's witchcraft. We don't, we don't do horoscopes and stuff. The Bible expressly speaks against that stuff. I was a dumb, backslid teenager. And I remember sitting down somewhat terrified because I knew enough of God to know that something was evil in that room. And somewhat trembling, I sat down and let her go through her incantations and vocal gyrations. And when she stopped swaying about and doing her noises and gurgling and screeching, she reached over and she grabbed my hands to turn my palms to look at them. And I'll never forget, I was already freaked out of my mind. And when she looked at my hands, she pulled back and she screeched. I can only see blood. I see pure blood. And I pulled my hands back. And I watched as her eyes looked right up to my head. And she declared, you have been marked. You have a name upon your forehead. Stood up and I ran out of that tent, my friends laughing and cackling. I ran all the way out of that fairgrounds and I went and sat in the dark parking lot by myself because I knew that in Revelations 22 and 4 it says, Those that have been born again, He has put His name on our forehead. And right then I got this revelation that when you have been covered in the blood of Jesus even the devil can see the blood you say but pastor you were backslid the devil can see the residue of the blood oh hallelujah I'm so glad he saved me and put my sin under the blood 1 Corinthians 6 and 9 through 11 says Know ye not that unrighteousness shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. But it didn't stop 
there. Then he wrote, and such were some of you, but you are washed, and ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus, and by the Spirit of our God, such were some of you. You may have done all the aforementioned sins. You may have a lot of things in your life you're ashamed of. Amen. The devil may be beating you up over your past. The enemy may be dragging you through the pit of your failures. But I've come to remind you this morning that there are some things God's eyes can't see. He can't see what you put under the blood. He can't see what you've asked for forgiveness for. I'm pleading for somebody this morning, amen, not to grieve in your past, but to step forward into your future and say, if God can't see it, I'm not going to look at it either. If God can't see it, I'm not going to talk about it either because I've been forgiven. I've been washed by the blood of the Lamb. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. I'm preaching to some, I feel this in the Holy Ghost. I'm preaching to some people this morning who the weight of your past, the shame of your failure is weighing you down. I'm telling you, put it under the blood. Put it back under the blood. Put it back under the blood. Would you lift your hands right where you are right now in the name of Jesus? Come on, come on. You need to reach out again. Amen. You need to realize again. You need a fresh revelation of the mercy and the grace of Jesus Christ that his blood has washed us and it has cleansed us from all unrighteousness. Would you stand with me this morning? I'm so thankful for that blood. I'm so thankful for that blood. Listen, the only time, we, we don't need to just hear this preaching only when there are a house full of people that we think needs to hear it. This is why the apostles in their epistles would write about this so often because they knew human nature and they themselves walked through it. I cannot imagine the guilt that Paul lived with knowing he had been a murderer of the Christian people. You can hear it come out in his writings every once in a while when he would refer to Stephen or refer to his failure and being the chief. He said, I'm the chief. I am the chief among sinners. That's why they would constantly remind us that what is under the blood needs to stay under the blood. And I'm not here this morning. I'm saying... I'm not saying that God laid this on my heart for two or three specific people in this place right now. God laid this on my heart for everybody in this room because we are all human and we all can struggle very easily with the failures of our past. You can be saved 50 years and still struggle with sins you committed 60 years ago. You can be saved 20 years and still struggle with mistakes that you made a year ago. And it's not that God is holding you back because of failure. It's that our own un-
holds us back. What do you mean by that, Pastor? I believe that God can forgive, but yet we hold on to it. We limit what we think God will do in our life because of our failure and because of our shortcoming. But God wanted me to tell everybody in this room this morning, there's something that God's eyes can't see. And he can't see what you put under his blood. So if there is something in your life this morning that you have not put up under the crimson flow of Calvary, I want you right now, I know this may seem odd, but I want you right now, right where you are before we open these altars, before we come and receive the victory that the cross brings into our life, I wonder if you right now would humble yourself enough right where you are to lift your hands and say, God, if there is anything in my life that I have not put under the blood, I am giving it to you right now. Lord, that you would forgive me of every failure, of every sin, every mistake, every shortcoming in my life. Lord, that thing that is haunting me right now, I put it under the blood. I'm asking you to forgive me because your word said that if I would but ask, you would be both faithful and just to forgive. Come on, child of God. You've been holding on to that long enough. You've been punishing yourself with it long enough. God cannot forgive you of something you do not ask for mercy over. You've got to cry out in mercy. We're going to shout and celebrate here in just a moment. Amen. But you've got to put it all into his hands so he can remove it as far as the east is from the west. In the name of Jesus. Come on, that's it. Pray God. Have mercy upon me this morning. You need to reach out and tell him right now. You've been holding on to that. You've been clinging to that. You've been using that as a bludgeon weapon to beat yourself over the head that God won't and can't bless you or God won't and can't prosper you or advance you in his kingdom. You're holding on to that thing. You need to put it under the blood right now. In Jesus' name, God, I'm asking for forgiveness right now in this house. Come on to whosoever calls upon him. Come on, he'll forgive you. You don't need to walk out of here with the weight of that sin. You don't need to walk out of here with the oppression of your past. In the name of Jesus, if you're watching online and you've never repented of your sin, start repenting right now. Ask God to forgive you of your sin right where you are right now. Come on. In Jesus' name, I feel it moving in this house right now. In Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for the blood. I thank you for the cleansing. I thank you for the washing. I thank you, Lord, because you put it under your blood. I'm thankful, Lord, your word said that you have blotted out the handwriting of ordinances against us. Everything in my life that I've done that was sinful in your sight when I called upon your name, when I asked for forgiveness, your word says you will forgive. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. I know this is so basic, 
But remember what I preached last Sunday. Jesus said, do not rejoice that don't be, because demons are subject to you. What did he say? Rejoice that your name is where? The, now the Bible says no sin can enter into heaven. So that means for my name to be written and your name to be written, he's got to remove that sin. That handwriting of ordinances against us has to be under the blood. This is what Jesus was talking about. Our reason of rejoicing is not because demons are subject. It's because we have been forgiven by the blood of the Lamb. I, I remember some time after I had been born again and I, I had gotten in the church and I was God was calling me into ministry. And I remember I had been on a, a fast and I'd been praying and uh, I knew God what God wanted to do in my life and I probably have told this story here a dozen times but somebody needs to hear this and I remember I was praying with God and I, I could re I remember the Lord beginning to speak to me and was speaking to me my future and as as he was speaking to me my future I remember I can I can see it as if it was last night in the old sanctuary there in Texarkana and I was kneeled down on the steps there in, in the old sanctuary that was our prayer room and I was weeping and God was speaking things about my future and when God got done speaking I remember just curling up on the floor and beginning to cry and I began to say but God and I didn't have to say it out loud I remember just crying but God and in my mind I was rehearsing in my mind some places I had messed up in my, in my life sins I had committed while I was away from God and I began to say to God but I have done this that's my response to the Lord I'm not worthy because I have failed you I have messed up I know that you have forgiven it but Lord I can't you can't use me because of this and because of that and, and I'll never forget it was almost when it happened sometimes it's like a curtain drawn back and God allowed me to see amen as if it were unplain in heaven in that very moment as I began to tell God I can't because and I listed this and I can't because and I listed that I remember seeing Jesus as he looks over amen to an angel who was standing there in front of a book I can't even describe how big that book was how, how large it was how many pages and I seen that angel like an accounting angel he began to move his fingers across the pages and he begins to look and he's running his finger over there and Jesus is saying to the angel you find it find what he said and he's looking and he's looking and I could tell he found my name and he found the page and Jesus is saying read it to me read what he did to me and I'll never forget as that angel looked back to Jesus and he said I can't I, I, I can't and Jesus said read it to me and the angel said I can't there's blood all over the pages I can't read a single word and all of a sudden something shifted in my heart and in my life when I realized that everything I had ever done had been put under the blood of Jesus and that's what the scripture meant the blotting out of ordinances against us I may remember it but God don't remember it I may still struggle with it but God don't he's removed it as far as the east is from the west and your next level of being used of God that next level of God's blessing in your life is when you learn to walk out of the bondage of your past and walk into the freedom of your future and say it's under the blood it's under the 
blood. I wish somebody would do that right now. Just lift your hands. Amen. Maybe move toward the front and say, I've been set free. I'm so thankful for the blood of Jesus. I've been washed. I've been cleaned. I've been made whole. He's washed me clean. Come on, come on. You need to celebrate that. Some of you are still holding on to it. You need to walk down here and say, I'm thankful for the blood. In sin, I had wandered so and so with bleeding heart and aching head. But Jesus came and sweetly said, I'll take your sins away. Thanks again for joining us for this podcast. It's such an honor that we could have you, and we pray you were blessed by the word today. We want to stay connected with you, and so give us a follow on our social media pages on Facebook or Instagram. You can find all of those on our website at firstchurch.app. You can also stay connected with us through that uh, website, and you can download it as an app on your phone from there. And so until the next time, we pray you're blessed. Have a great week in Jesus' name.